as Americans or as uh, Christians, we hear the word covenant. We, 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 we've heard it since we got saved, but we don't really understand what covenant means. How many know the scripture where Jesus says, no greater love has a man than this. He lays down his life for a what? A friend. And then he says, I don't call any longer, I don't call you a servant, but I call you a friend. Now we think of that as a friend, somebody that we like to be with or somebody that we'll go out to lunch with or somebody we like to hang around with, but that's our English understanding. In Hebrew, a friend means a covenant partner. And when you make covenant with someone, you are saying to that person, I will do everything in my ability to make you successful and to fulfill your destiny. If I say to you, you are my covenant partner, that means that I am going to pray, I am going to study, but I'm also going to do whatever I can so you can fulfill your destiny of being great and changing the world and walking in the blessing of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. And so when I was praying about this, and the Lord said they don't really understand covenant, God spoke to me. I mean, I'm in my living room and praying, and he said the greatest example, and to be honest with you, I didn't understand it. He said the greatest example I have of covenant aside from Jesus, is Jonathan and David. Today's just the foundation. And when you get this foundation, you know, the Bible says to build your life on the rock. And when the storm hits, your house is going to stand. That rock is the word of God. In my prayer today, I know that when you hear the, today and the next three weeks, what God has done for you, Whenever the enemy comes against you, instead of you bouncing off of him, he's going to bounce off of you, and the winds will never destroy any part of your life, your family, your finance, or your future from this day on. If you're ready, give the Lord a clap offering. I can't wait to get into this. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. So it was, and it was so that when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Now, I don't have time to teach all this today, but I want you to see something. David has just killed Goliath. Goliath in your life is Satan. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Satan is destroyed evermore from your life. But watch this. David kills Goliath. And the Bible says that Saul, is his soul becomes knitted together. How many have ever seen something that's knitted together? If something's just tied together, it's easy to break it. But when something is knitted together, 
knitted together, that thing has multiple strength. I want you to picture this way. You're David. Saul is God the Father. Jonathan is Jesus the Messiah. You've just, by the favor of God, how many know Goliath didn't go down because David was an expert rock flinger? Goliath went down because God had a destiny for David of greatness. Oh, you're not hearing me. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. People say all the time, when I found Jesus, Jesus wasn't lost. I didn't find Jesus. I went out to go and I wonder where Jesus is. I was out there trying to buy dope and Jesus found me. I'm going over to the Puritans over here. Jesus found us. Goliath went down by the grace of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Goliath in my life didn't go down because I stopped doing heroin. I stopped doing heroin because God gave me grace. So Goliath went down. You're David. Saul is the father. And Jonathan is a representation of Jesus. Now, I'm not making this up. In Hebrew, in, in Judaism, this is an illustration of them of the Messiah. And so here Jonathan slays the enemy of all of God's people. And the Bible says that Jonathan, which we could say is the Lord, his soul is knit with him. This is what covenant does. In covenant, it says no matter what you go through, I'm there for you. Not just when you're doing all well. Not when you're doing it perfect, but I will never leave you. Somebody say never. never. You know what? You can end up, you could, not that you do this, but you could, you could say, I'm going to buy dope. Jesus is going with you. And he's going to be speaking into your ear all the time. You know you don't want to do this. You know you got to stop doing this. Come on, somebody say amen. My Bible says once Goliath is slain, He will never leave me and never forsake me. Even if I do wrong, he's going to always be there to bring me back. His soul is knitted with mine. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You know, I just felt this jump in my spirit. Some of you may have a loved one that's backslidden or or walked away from God. I'm going to tell you something. God is tightening that knit. Oh, I feel the heart. As I speak. God is bringing him back. That you can't, you can run, but you cannot hide. So the Bible says that Saul, or Jonathan's soul, was knitted as one. This is a covenant. This is what happens when, supposedly, when two people get married. When you get married, you know, when, when, when Tiz, Tiz and I have on our wall a, a, in, in a, a ketubah, which, is, which means a contract or a covenant. In that covenant, I tell her, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will be there for you. This is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He says to you, I will provide for you. I will be uh, uh, with you. I will shelter you. I will lead you. I will love you. I will guide you. This is a covenant that we need to understand God has with us. And then you look at that next verse that we just read, and it says, from that day, Saul would not let Jonathan, would not let Jonathan leave the kingdom, 
and go back to his father's house. That means it doesn't matter what happens. God will, it's just like the prodigal son. The prodigal son may have gone astray for a while, but the father was standing on the porch continually. God will not let you fall. He's not going to let you go under. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to make sure that when you understand this, you become the head and not the tail. You become above only, not beneath. You become the lender, not the borrower. He has a covenant and he will make sure that comes to pass. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now watch this. I got to go quick. Now watch this. And Saul took him that day, verse 2, and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. From this day on, when you begin to understand covenant, you're not going back to being poor. You're not going back to being hungry. You're not going back just to be a little shepherd boy. From this day on, everything changes. Somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. Now what? This is prophetic. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off that robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, his bow, and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul, Saul's servants. Now, in Hebrew, what we just read is called the covenant of exchange. When someone goes in the covenant, they didn't just shake hands, but they exchanged certain things. The first thing I want you to see is, is that the first thing they exchanged was robes. Jonathan came to that battle in a shepherd boy's robe. Jonathan came to that battle with dirty clothes, worn out clothes. Jonathan came to that battle looking like a nobody. See, that's Satan's trick. Do you remember when the prophet came to to Jesse, David's father, and he said, one of your sons is going to be the king. And so Jesse brings in all of his sons. He didn't even think to bring in David. David, to his own dad, didn't look like anybody that would ever be great. David was out tending the sheep. David had the lowest job in the family. David was out there living with the sheep. When he came to battle, he wasn't even a soldier. David was bringing the lunch. Amen? He wasn't even a soldier. But he comes and he sees Goliath. And listen to the words he says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this man? I don't care if he's nine feet tall. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what Wall Street said. I don't care what the judge said. I don't care what so-and-so said. They don't have a covenant with God, but I do. When you understand you have a covenant with God, it turns you from what the world says is a nobody to what God says is a somebody. You need to understand who you're in covenant with. David gave Jonathan his robe 
of a shepherd boy. You know, the greatest trick there is, is the devil to tell you you're nobody. Well, who, you know, I know pastors said that. I know the Bible says that, but you know what? They don't realize that I, I was this or I was that or I did this or I did that. That's right. That's what you were. I was a drug addict, but I am now, and so are you, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So when you come to God, you need to understand that he doesn't just forgive you. He makes a covenant and he takes, he says, remove your garment of heaviness, remove your garment of poverty, remove your robe of failure and put on the royal robe, the garment of praise, because no matter what it was like yesterday, today, and what does the Bible say? Here was this shepherd boy who even his own father, his own brother said, who are you? Shut up. And he goes, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a covenant partner with God. And the Bible says Jonathan put the robe of royalty on him. And wherever he went, everybody goes, who is that? Oh, that's a child of God. That's a representation of the king. And that's why Jesus said, wherever you go, tell them. The kingdom is at hand. Wherever you go, you've got the robe of Christ on you. Wherever you go, Jesus said, I'm going with you. And there's not one bone of sickness in Jesus. There's not one bone of failure in Jesus. There's not one bone of defeat in Jesus. Wherever you go, healing's going with us. Wherever we go, victory's going with us. Wherever we go, prosperity's going with us. Why? Because of us? No, we were just shepherd boys. But because when we come in covenant with God, he changes robes with us. That's why the Bible says that Jesus didn't feel it wrong to say, I am equal with God. But he took on the robe or the role of a servant. Jesus became a servant. Jonathan took the the shepherd boy robe on him and said, I am in covenant with you. And that means that I will do whatever I can do to make sure your destiny is fulfilled. No greater love has a man than this, than he lays down his life for a covenant partner. And Jonathan died so that David could become king and birth the Messiah into the world. And Jesus died so that you can become a joint heir with Christ Jesus and fulfill your destiny of greatness given to you from the throne room of God. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Remember the scripture that we read, that I read last week that was the Torah portion? Here is Here are the children of God. And there's famine in the land. And so they say to themselves, let's get to Egypt. Let's go over where the Gentiles are. And so here comes Judah, and he stands before the second most powerful man in the world. But he doesn't realize that he's standing before Joseph. Judah threw Joseph into a pit, thought he was dead, thought he was gone. And here we are 22 years later, and Judah comes before the second most powerful person in the world. Kind of makes us think of the father and the son. 
Here we are before Jesus, who's interceding. Joseph was able to do what he could do because of his relationship like a son to Pharaoh. Jesus said, I don't do this on my own, but what my father tells me to do, I do. That's the, do you understand the relationship? So here you and I come. We're coming out of the land of famine. We're coming out of the land of addiction. We're coming out of the land of depression. We're coming out of the land of failure. We're coming out of the land of sin. And we're standing before the sun. But most of us, many Christians, don't recognize the power that this man has whose name is Jesus. We know he has the power to forgive us of our sin. But he has the power to heal your body. He has the power to turn your situation upside down. He has the power to, from, to go from poor to rich. Somebody give me an amen. Yeah. But they didn't recognize him. They're standing right in front of him. This is what Jesus, the Lord, told me when I was praying about this. He said, I want the people to recognize that they're not just my children. They're my covenant partners. And I will do everything to make them fulfill their destiny of greatness. So here's, here's Judah asking for a handout from Joseph. Asking for a handout like a beggar. And Joseph says, I want everybody out of the room. Everybody but these, 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 these Hebrews. So he ran all the Gentiles out. And Joseph said, it's me, your brother. When Jesus went in to heal Jairus' daughter, she was dead. The devil has told you your business is dead, your marriage is dead, your kids are gone. They, I mean, it's too big. We're, today, I'm saying, all Gentiles out. Okay, all unbelieving spirit out right now in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is going, it's me. It's me. They looked at him like some of you are looking at me. No, it can't be. You're dead. He runs all the unbelievers out. And if you read it in Hebrew, in, in English, it, it, it says it a little more delicately. But in Hebrew, it said it sh- he, he showed them he was circumcised. Gentiles didn't get circumcised. Only covenant partners with God got circumcised. And so Joseph said, it's me. No, it can't be you. And he said, look at me. I'm I'm a covenant partner with you. And I cannot deny you. Even though you may have done wrong to me. Even though I may have done drugs. Even though I may have been a dope dealer. Even though you may have done whatever you did. When you come to Jesus, you can't leave the kingdom. And Jesus saying, I am a covenant brother with you. You cannot fail. Oh, somebody shout amen. And then the Bible goes on to say that he brings them all the family in. He brings them all into the kingdom. And the Bible says they come out of a land that is burnt with famine. And they come in and Joseph gives them bread. Now I shared this last week, but listen to me. When you're a covenant partner, God will bring you out of the land of famine. He'll bring you out of the land of not enough. And I, and I, and I, I was teaching this up in Portland and it, and it hit me again. You know, when you're drowning 
and you finally get your head above water, you think, thank God. And that's what most Christians do. We're drowning in this world. Then we get saved and we finally get our nose above water. We're going, oh, we're not drowning anymore. But when you're drowning, that's not enough. When your nose is just above water, that's just enough. But God doesn't want you having just enough. He wants to take you from drowning to treading water to walking on water and being a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. We have been taught too long that God doesn't care about these things. Can I show you a scripture here? I, I was just going to quote it, but you need to go, to go with me to Genesis. You know, this, this scripture just, just popped into my head, Genesis chapter 3. And God said, I want you to show them how wrong some of the teachings are that God doesn't care. Do you have Genesis 3? Look at verse 24. The Bible says, and he drove out the man, and he placed the cherubim, an angel, at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way through the tree of life. I've always been taught that we blew it, God threw us out, and then he put an angel with a sword of fire, making sure we didn't get back in. You're going to pay. But I read that in Hebrew. And it said man blew it. And they had to leave the garden. But God knew someday they would understand that he has made a covenant with them. And so he puts an angel at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword turning every way to light the way back so that when we come back to realizing how good God is, we come back to the tree of life. God's not trying to keep us out. He's trying to get our attention to get us back. Do you get it? He's not trying to keep us out. I was preaching in, 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 in Wenatchee, and this was, a, this was a Hispanic pastor. He asked me to come with him. He said, Pastor, you got to come with me. He asked me to come to, come to Honduras. His brother's got a church of 40,000 people. He said, you got to come and teach this. He said, I go to this place off of China. It's an island. He said, 500,000 people come to these meetings. He said, we can't fit them all, so we rotate them 110,000 a night. He said, come and teach us the Jewish roots. He was telling me, he said, Pastor, you know, I just started studying your, your stuff. And he said, man, all of a sudden, the power of God's coming. He said, God spoke to me. He said, I- I- am I crazy? He said, God spoke to me. I was reading your, your teaching about Shabbat. And he said, God spoke to me to take the shofar and go stand on the mountain over Wenatchee. And he said, God told me to blow the shofar. And he said, 40 times. And he said, is that crazy? I said, no, that's not crazy. He said, he just, honest, simple man. He said, why did God tell me 40 times? I said, you don't know? He said, no, I don't know. I said, you know, you know what we've been taught? We've been taught that the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come as a thief in the night. Not to us, he's not. Not to the children of God, he's not. He's not going to say, I got gotcha. you. 
on Rosh Hashanah, so I explained to him, on Rosh Hashanah, right before the judgment, he has the priest get up and blow the shofar over all of Jerusalem, Israel, every day for 40 days. That's where we get the song, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm on the... 40 days. Nobody around is going to go, oh, I didn't know he was coming. No, he's going to... How many of you ladies have had a baby? Did you all of a sudden, boom, where'd that come from? I had no idea. How many know most, most of the time there's a sign you're pregnant? Belly gets bigger. Water breaks. Why? Why do these things, the doctor says, on this date, why? Because, because they don't want to catch you at home. Oh. That's where the Lord's going to come. Those of us who are pregnant with the presence of God, he's, he's going to use us to let the whole world know, get ready. How's he going to make it? We're, we're pregnant with prosperity. We're pregnant with favor. We're pregnant with blessing. We're pregnant with joy. Come on, somebody. We're pregnant with peace. We're pregnant with the favor of God. And why? Because God is getting ready. And every day he's blowing the trumpet so that everybody can. He wants no one left behind. We got to lose this. God wants to. He puts the angel. When I read that, I thought, man, they've been lying to me. He puts the angel there, turning all around so that when you and I come back to the covenant and we realize, man, he didn't just come to save us. He came to the, we can live in a land that flows with milk and honey, not someday in the sweet pine the sky, but down on the ground while we're still around. God has created you for greatness. Somebody shout amen. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. Next week, we're going to get into the weapons, the sword, the belt, the girdle. And then the the last week, the last week is the best. But let me just show you this. This, what we call Old Testament, was written to prove Jesus is the Messiah. God says you and I, put on the garment of praise. Take off the spirit of heaviness. We're going to pray today. We're going to take off the spirit of debt. We're going to take off the the robe of failure. We're going to take off the robe of sickness. We're going to take off the robe, I'm a nobody. You know who you are? You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. But I want to leave you with this because I'm going to show you some things. When... Jesus hung on that cross. They took his robe. And every rabbi or every religious, fake religious guy that was there knew the prophecy of when the Messiah come, he would make covenant not only with the Jews, but with the Gentiles. So here they are standing there. And they're mocking. We finally got rid of this guy. And Jesus is there. And down in the corner, there are some Gentiles that walked away with the robe of the king of all kings. And they went, oh my goodness. 
And even one Gentile said, truly, this is the Son of God. Let me say to you, right now, we're going to remove the shepherd's robe. I prayed with a young man today, just got out of prison. And I was able to put my arms around him. And I couldn't help but think the day I came in, hadn't gone to prison, but had warrants out for my arrest. God turned me from a drug addict into a child of God. And if God can do that for me, that was 33 years ago. If God can do that for me, you know, the closer we get to this thing, the more that power is coming on. Let's take off that robe of failure right now. Let's take off that robe of poverty right now. Let's take off that robe where the devil or the, your parents or your teachers or whoever, your, your, your ex or whoever said, you know, you're nobody. I'm going to tell you who you are. You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And wherever you go from this day on, you're going to know the kingdom of God is walking with me. Are you ready? Give the Lord a clap offering. Give him praise this morning. Amen. Stand with me. The Bible says in Philippians, says, let this mind be in you. Christ did not think it evil to count himself equal with God. Say, well, pastor, we can never say we're God. I'm not saying you're God. I'm just saying you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. David wasn't knit with Saul. David was knit with Jonathan, and Jonathan was the son of the great king. Jesus is knitted with you. Look at me. Jesus is knitted with you. And that means everything in him will be given so that you can walk in the greatness. Say greatness. Say it, say it more powerful than that. Say greatness. God intends for you to be great. Well, how can that happen? Suddenly. In one moment, I didn't even think of this until just now. In one moment, in one moment, David went from a shepherd boy and a lunch delivery boy to an heir to the throne. Man, I feel the, excuse me, I feel the Holy Ghost. In one moment. In one moment. Why? Because it was already predestined. You're predestined for greatness. You're predestined for health. What do I teach next week on exchanging armor? Exchanging weapons. We battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. You are more than a conqueror. Are you ready? Lift up your hands. Now say this out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, I remove the spirit of heaviness. I take off the garment of failure, of poverty, of defeat, of sickness. Of every, of every, say it out, of every attack the enemy can bring against me. Every 
I am joint heirs with Christ Jesus. I am by the blood created to do great things. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering. Created for greatness.